Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Nate Langson, and this text message was sent on Sunday, the 8th of March, 2015. Joining me this week to discuss the top UK technology news and Mobile World Congress is Ian Morris. And later on the show, we are going to be embarking on a veritable cruise through the choppy waters of this year's Mobile World Congress, MWC, as it is so commonly known. And at the helm this year over in Barcelona was Ian Morris, who will recount the discoveries he made during 2015's sailing. Which of the many islands discovered were the most fruitful in terms of new technology launches? And perhaps most interesting, which companies sunk after hitting an iceberg of Morrisian criticism? You're welcome, everyone, for that word. Uh, but first, a few choice items from this week's news. Hello, Ian. Hello. How how, do you, how are you back in Barcelona and happy to be so? I, I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm, yeah, you know what? I've never been to Barcelona before. I've never been to Mobile World Congress. So this was, oh, no, I have been to Barcelona, but I've never been to Mobile World Congress. This was a mm. first. And um, it, you know what? It's a better show than I was expecting. It's, um, it's better now they moved venues. It used to be at a different venue that was about as much fun as having your bowels extracted by a machine. <laughs> I it was, in, it no- was just a tedious chore to get round. But last year they moved it to a new place and I enjoyed that much more. Although I didn't go out this year because I didn't have time. Yeah, it's, um, it's good. And what's good about it is also that you can see the halls from a glass walkway, which means that mm. you don't have to go in the boring halls. Yes, this is, is very good. true. And you can also get past the crowds of people having meetings in the middle of a gangway yeah. um, by just walking above them like some sort of god. Yes, it's good, isn't it? Mm, it is. Well, we're going to come back to Mobile World Congress in a few minutes' time uh, to hear about Ian's uh, reveals, his top reveals, highlights, the lowlights, some surprises, and uh, and also what we didn't see at Mobile World Congress that we think we may see at IFA, which generally takes place uh, later in the summer in Berlin. But let's start by talking about the story from, this was from V3, um, which had written that the UK will have a dedicated Internet of Things network to support public sector services by 2030. Uh, 2030, sorry, not 13. And that's according to an ARM Emerging Technologies director. And he was speaking at a conference that V3 was at. And the chap in question is Gary Atkinson. And he reckons that there will be two communication networks in place across the UK within that 15 year period. One will be for high speed data for phones and mobile broadband and that sort of thing, which obviously we've already got. But the other one will be a, what he called a parallel network that will pa- that be low powered and would power things like, um, you know, uh, it would monitor bridges, it would monitor for flooding, air quality, and everything would talk to each other to help uh, people who are monitoring weather or even, I suppose, um, natural disasters. Um, this could all be monitored in real time. D- 2030 seems like a quite a time away for something like this, do you think, Ian? Yeah, I think it's an incredibly long way away. And it, uh, given that the technology is already there and it's all possible already, I, I don't know what we're waiting for. But I, I, I sort of 
I like the idea of it, actually. It seems like a pretty smart way of doing it. What what I don't quite understand is um, who's going to get access to the information, because obviously that's uh, that's key. If everyone has access to the information, that could be amazing, couldn't it? You know, you, you get up in the morning and your your computer could tell you your route to work in infinite detail about, you know, weather, traffic, all of that kind of jazz, and it would be quite I cool. I agree. I think it would... I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if it was funded uh, or at least under... Uh, supported by government and certain data was made available to public utility services and others were made available to uh, to the public for example the weather would be would be one but i don't think that the the public necessarily needs direct access to um information about earthquakes not that we have them in this country particularly no but um i don't see why i can't see that information well, this is this is true, but I think in terms of the people who are going to support this are the people who may be able to make money off it, off yeah. it either as a private investment, such as better GPS, um, you know, uh, systems that I don't know they could they could pump cleaner air into your room based on knowledge of what is toxic in the air around you. I don't know how no, toxic do. the yeah. air is around where you are in, but it's... in where I live in Ealing Broadway, it's, it's toxic. It's, it, it's toxic. It's Britney Spears out Don't there. Don't worry, you'll um, just transform into a superhero. There's nothing to worry mm. about. But it's going to have to be funded quite widely because if they're talking about putting sensors on top of lampposts, that is a very heavy investment from an in- infrastructure perspective. It's going to have to be paid for from multiple fronts. And um, I-, I suspect that the public will fun- foot some of that bill. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, you know, sensors can be in anything. Like that, we could we could find that mobile phones are monitoring air quality. I mean, d- you know, look, the um, yeah. the Samsung Galaxy, uh, which is it, the the Note Four and the S, no, the just think just the Note Four actually, um, has a UV uh, sensor which can tell you about how bad the UV light is uh, on any given day, so you mm. can see whether or not how much sun cream you need, that kind of stuff. So you know, you could take data from all of that stuff and feed it into this big you know, big network of, of things. Uh, yes, that... and you know what? That's an incredibly, incredibly interesting point. You're absolutely right. That could help massively with sun cream, uh, not sun cream, rather sun protection mm. in general, because so many people go out and they, I think some people blindly put on sun cream, not knowing how much UV is in the, yeah. you know, is, do, is do you need them. 20 for the day? You, you know, you know how long you're going to be out. Do you need 20 or 50? I mean, not that it really matters, yeah. but I generally put 50 on. But people trying to seek some sort of a tan might feel differently. That's the thing. It's usually to do with tan that's the first thought and not necessarily skin damage, yeah. which is, you know, as we know, uh, an unfortunate and common side effect from um, people sunbathing and falling asleep. In but, the sun. Um, don't forget as well that there was uh, TomTom uses data from Vodafone, doesn't it, to understand traffic um, and send that information to your satnav. So that's true. Um, again, you know, that's all that's all just sensors, really, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah. and that's something that's happening. So I, we could see, I think we'll see a lot of really exciting stuff happening with uh, sensors and the Internet of Things in the next two years. They've all been talking about it endlessly, so it better happen. It's bizarre, though, to think, though, we are talking about 2030 here and we are in 2015 now. And if you think, just in case you've forgotten, 20, in, in, in the year 2000, just think about the speed of the Internet, the, yeah. the, the capabilities of our mobile phones. Had anyone talked about Internet of Things? Had anyone squozen 200 gigabytes of storage space onto a micro SD card? No, but they That's did. Nothing. They, they're year. talking about going up to 
terabytes in the near future, aren't they, for microSD? I mean, the storage is the most remarkable advance I think I've seen in many ways. It's more to do with the fact that what we think of as... You know, it'll be like sensors on lampposts and our phones can do this. You know, the with whether you factor in something like Moore's Law or just the fact that things every year or so get half the size and half the cost. Mm. In 15 years' time, we probably won't even have lampposts. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, it won't, there won't be a post. It'll Not- be such an outmoded concept to, to have to put up a thing that costs hundreds of pounds to light a very specific hundreds, part of the road. God, I, mean, I, I think they'd be thrilled if they could do it for hundreds. It's probably thousands per post. I mean per post. Yeah. I think it. I can't imagine a lamppost costs thousands of pounds. Oh well, you I think would. It's... You then you, my friend, have not encountered government bureaucracy. Okay. I well, we'll come back to that you. on a future <laughs> a future note. But um, let us know. We've got our podcast email podcast at natelangson.com. If you know what would you like to be monitored by a lamppost? Let us know. Um, second news story we got today is from the BBC, which had reported amongst other places that European regulators have dropped plans to ban roaming charges. Um, now, this is an incredibly bad step for anybody who uses a mobile phone across Europe, because at the moment you can be charged quite a hefty sum per megabyte you know tens of pence per megabyte and you know when you talk about an email potentially being a megabyte or you think that one song on spotify might be about five megabytes this is a very seriously expensive business to still be doing and we know for a fact that this is not because the technology costs a lot of money for a song to to go over a mobile network it's simply to do with what the network's internationally charges locally and that expense is passed on to consumers this is what the european regulators had said was going to end this year no more roaming charges across the eu at the moment it's still just capped so there is a a maximum that you can be charged for calls texts and data but it's still prohibitively expensive and still results in what um common talk shows like to call as bill shock which can be generally seen from sad looking people holding up mobile phone bills printed on paper in front of a tabloid (laughs) photographer you can usually tell when someone's got bill shock well they've got um, a paper bill i mean that is first step isn't it towards not understanding technology yeah but this is this is this is depressing news isn't it it? i mean this is the kind of stuff to stay in bed for and cry for several days well you know they were they things never work out in the best interest of the general public do they there's a corporation here um (laughs) and they're trying to make money i i when i was in barcelona i was spending five pounds a day for data on three um, which is extortionate, really. I mean, I, I I get that. Well, no, I don't get any of it. I mean, three is just about to do feels at home in Spain, or mm. feel at home, or whatever it's called. Uh, which which is great because it means that I'll be able to just not pay anything. But this time, no dice, I'm afraid. And three is a good network for that. But uh, everyone else, it's just it's bad. It is bad. And I, I we were promised that we would get no roaming fees, and I think it's only fair. We do know that the data transit costs zero. Or as close mm. to zero as makes no odds. Um, I, I, I think there was some discussion once about exactly how much it costs. But of course, it's all offset. You know, for every Brit that goes to America, there's presumably an American that comes to Britain or you know, something like that anyway. So yes. we just in can't, those countries now in the. Yes, in those countries, that's true. Um, but those are two countries that have extremely well-developed and well-populated mobile network mm. infrastructures. However, there are parts of Europe that are less developed and they they simply can't necessarily afford for tourists to come along and 
use up their data because it would it would it would crush the capacity for their local users so yeah, I mean, they, they are pricing it prohibitively expensive kind of like um congestion charge or or you know peak rail fares as partly as a as a deterrent to try and use less data or or use off-peak times and things like that no, to i don't really mind if they do that i don't i don't object to that it, it, mm. I, the the the, per, the point is i think that most of us sort of understand that when we go to a country that, you know, for the most part, the network you're roaming on is probably owned by or a part of the group of companies that you subscribe to. Yes, very true in the case of Orange. Vodafone, um, particularly. Telefonica. Is, Vodafone is a huge European player, as is, yeah, Telefonica particularly. But um, a lot of these con- a lot of these have their own uh, P&L, their bottom line, and so they still have to locally make money. And sometimes, as daft as it is, that means making money off an international partner i mean yes but you, to, to put something into wrong, in, interesting little sorry carry on well no i was just going to say that the, the, the charges levied against the british people are are by their operator I, I think if you could see the prices that the operators abroad were charging your operator you would be surprised by how little that was that's the point yes. the point the ripoff is happening in the in, in the uk it's not necessarily happening in the country you're roaming in well we know now that it may be um as late as 2018 that we get some sort of massive drop in pricing. Um, I've I, I read somewhere, I, I'm struggling to find the source that I found for that, for that number now, but we're not going to get uh, a, a ban on roaming charges in I'll just Europe three. this year or next by the sounds of it, which is just, it's just so d- depressing because there's money there just waiting to be poured into these well, networks. Also, look... Just- I don't know if you feel the same way about it as I do, but as a rule, I mean, I did it. I did buy data in Barcelona because I needed to work, um, and I needed to be able to check my email very easily. Um, I, what I normally do, if if I was before I had three and I could go to America and not be charged, I would just not buy data, and I wouldn't mm. make phone calls or really that many text messages. So what they were making from me was nothing, and what they could have been making was something. Yes, I would this pay. Is true. A, I would pay a charge. Three weirdly has gone completely the other way and just demolished all of them. But if it was, if you had to pay an extra five pounds a month for that service, I would pay it. I no, I completely agree. And and one of the only good things about being on three (laughs) is that whenever I go to America, um, you know, Bloomberg's office is in in New York, and um, going over there is potentially um, quite expensive to have a mobile phone that's not paid for by your company. But I get unlimited data. Yeah. on my phone when right. I'm there. it's not Unli- quite unlimited. unlimited i think they no c- it actually is it's it's something like um that you can't use over like 80 gig or no, something like y- that you, it's 27 gigs but you're not, you know for the purposes of roaming you are talking about unlimited data aren't you yes i just wanted to make the point that we we both agree don't we that the word unlimited is much misused it's a stupid it's a stupid word and i don't <laughs> think there is a need for unlimited data no i just think there is a need for more competitively priced packages and, and i like you pay for a mobile phone i actually pay for two because i pay for one for my ipad on ee and i pay for another one on three and i would be happy to pay extra for international usage of the data i'm already paying for Mm. because i appreciate that there is a need to fund that and that is not a problem for me and i don't need it to be extortionate i just need it to be fair and at the moment it feels unfair and even though i could afford to pay what they're charging me now i refuse to on principle because i think that it is just 
it's disproportionately large for the benefit I get. And I can just wait till I'm on Wi-Fi and I think that's a shame. We've talked about this, I think, for enough. But again, let us know any opinions you have about roaming. And do you suffer from the wrath that is the European roaming wraith? Um, podcast at natelangson.com. Um, last little bit of news. It's not so much news as it is... Um, uh, uh, what's something that we're saying now is news that tomorrow won't be but it, it, it hasn't been used for a really long time um fact. fact we just wanted to point out that apple is having an event tomorrow monday um as we are recording this and i shall be out at its event this is something we believe to be centered almost solely on the apple watch um i have actually used an apple watch before but only in a demo mode when I was in Cupertino last year. And this time, we're expecting it's going to be the opportunity to try it on, pardon me, get it fitted, and actually use some of the apps that have been in development in um, in Apple's secret labs. And um, I read a great report the other day, um, which I'm now realizing actually might even have been on Bloomberg. I didn't mean to compliment my own company, but I think I've done so accidentally, um, which talked about how Apple had this lab that developers had to... Um, sort of bring they could bring a hard drive into with their source code but they weren't allowed phones or pens or paper and they had to develop inside the lab for the watch and then they weren't allowed to take their hard drive away with them afterwards so there was just zero possibility that any of this data could be leaked outside of apple and we are hopefully going to see the results of some of that um, secrecy and development work on monday by seeing some of the first apps that have been um developed for the watch as well as found out pricing exact release dates um, and um, from from what I've heard, possibly a MacBook Air with a Retina display and no fan. That's mm. that's very exciting. Ian, um, what's your what's your thirty second takeaway on on what we're expecting? Um, I can't wait for a new Air. That's that's very exciting. Although I've never owned an Air in my life, but I do think it's a great little machine. Very exciting about that. Um, the watch. I really just can't wait to find out whether it's any good. Or whether mm. the rumours of its three-hour battery life and you know are are true or exaggerated, but um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a massively important device. If Apple can't get watches right, then I think probably we should all just stop making smartwatches. Mm. Well, by the time most people listen to this, it's highly likely that there will be in your podcasting catching software a text message special, the first that we have done, which will be published all being well, on Monday evening. And this will be from the Apple event itself, including some guests, including an interview with people in the style and fashion industry who are also knowledgeable about technology, commenting on what they think about the watch in terms of being a fashion and luxury object. Um, That's going to be out Monday evening, as I say, all being well, so we're not going to dwell on it too much right now, but do watch out for that in your feeds Uh, Or delete it immediately if you despise Apple, as so many people, for some reason, love to do. Isn't that right, Ian? (laughs) You can't lump me in with that. Um, Sorry, mate. No, I I have very mixed feelings about Apple. Um, I I dislike some aspects of it and rather like others. Mm, Well, that's a fair approach, mate, if I've ever heard one. About as democratic as I can be bothered to be. But uh, yeah, I mean, times change. I I find that the Apple, on average, the Apple fanboy is a lot less rabid now than the Google or Android fanboy. Mm, Well, times change could indeed have been the tagline for Apple's launch and may indeed be the tagline for the text message Apple Watch 
special coming out. Absolutely. Um, Let's call it that. That's a brilliant idea. The times text message special times change. There we go. Something along those lines. Well, that's going to do it for news. But we want to talk about Mobile World Congress 2015. Ian went out to Barcelona. I did. He cruised the floors. He touched. (laughs) He felt. He caressed. And then when he was done, he went over to the trade show. And... (laughs) We've um, we've got some interesting re- releases and reveals, haven't we, mate? We do. I mean, I think people will probably be quite pretty aware of what happened for the most yeah, part. Yeah, well, let's. why don't we just get the top reveals out of the way first because they're pretty obvious and we talked about them on last week's show. Um, the yes. S6, that's a big one. What's your opinion on that? Uh, I, think, um, it's, I think it's the change that they needed to make to that phone, honestly, because mm. it needs some hype about it. And the last one was just... It was okay. You know, that the, they haven't really made a bad flagship phone ever in the time I can remember, really. I mean, they've all been pretty serviceable. Um, but sales, sales of the S5 dropped quite dramatically they late did. last year. And I've had conversations with Samsung about this. And, you know, I've mentioned Andy Griffiths before, and he's a really, he's a really interesting person to speak to. Um, he's the UK president. And um, he said people are... De- definitely moving towards things like notes because they want they want a slightly different phone they want they want they they're bored of that one particular form factor and that they needed to they need something to move to and apple pretty much proved that to be the case didn't they by mm. completely reinventing the iphone i think understanding the fact that if they didn't then they would see sales stag- stagnate as well and the reverse has happened they've sold a lot of iphones this year yeah and i noticed uh, there was one um analysts report that came out the other the other evening that said that apple is now the number one smartphone maker in the world only just above samsung um and last time uh samsung was only just above apple but um it is extremely close extremely close but the s6 in person um it sounds like it's a yay it is very nice the, the edge is the one to go for obviously because it's just dra- dramatically different and feels nice and obviously there are a lot of issues to overcome there's there's They've moved to their own processor, so there's questions about whether that's going to perform. There's battery ah, well, life. Actually, we covered that in, in last week's show because I did some digging into benchmarks. I have seen that, the benchmark yeah. thing, yeah. And it, and it, and it does seem that, that, that it is a more efficient chip yeah, on the I, inside. It's definitely possible. Um, I just... I will wait until I have one in my hand to uh, to make the final call on that. But the benchmarking—I yeah. uh, mean, I don't—I don't really like benchmarking as a rule. Um, no, but it, but in the in the worldwide willy waving competitions, um, <laughs> that is at least one way to objectively say whether one phone is uh, is a better performer than the other. Yeah, but and, and but, they but have their is... place. I just don't think you should buy a phone based on its benchmark results. But I think I everyone agree. knows well, that, right? For anyone listening to this show that didn't hear um, episode seven last week, I went into some detail about the processor and the speed and versus the HTC equivalents. And, um, and Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
uh, an LG. So do go back and download that if you want to hear someone nerd out for 10 minutes on CPU architecture. The other thing that was uh, interesting on the Samsung side, I think, is that it revealed Samsung Pay, the innovatively named competitor to Apple Pay. Um, and I have to say, regardless of how good I think we think uh, Samsung Pay is, which it is a good move for them to have something like this, a contactless payment method. Um, I'm pretty bored of the naming of yeah. these products. Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, the 5S, the 6, the S5. Like, we've, we just need some... I, someone just needs to take some drugs and name a product. There's, there's a, a well, that's how Steve Jobs used to do it. There's a real problem, isn't true, there, actually. with like, yeah. well, yeah, you know, the, the whole of Apple is built on his LSD taking. Um, true, there is there is a problem. There is a lack of imag- imagination. I mean, you know, why couldn't they call it, you know, <laughs> cashish or something? I don't know why. What I'm suggesting here, but it's it is boring. Like. It, yeah. Just and also it's egotistical, like Apple Pay, Samsung Pay. Like these these products are not about you guys, you know. Well, you know why? They, but they, they had to call it that because otherwise, if they'd have used their um, traditional um, wording, they'd have called it S Pay, which everyone would just pronounce Spay. Oh yeah. I mean, I, just I has think connotations of being, you know, having your genitals removed. Absolutely. S Pay would be a disaster, but they have pretty much got rid of a lot of their horribly named stuff now. Actually. Yeah. Spen, shelf. Spen, I um, think, stays. I, we won't know until a little bit later this year. All right. Well, let's move on away from Samsung. Let's talk about what you thought were the highlights. I'm going to pick out the first one you've noted here, the LG Urbane. Yeah. Um, or Urbani, as yeah, I've heard Urbani. it pronounced once. Oh, really? Um, I'd love to know yeah. by whom. But um, I think it was ironically. Yeah. I hope it was ironically uh, Well, on a podcast last week. Yeah, but okay. yeah, this is a smartwatch from LG. Yeah, um, it's perhaps not the Urbane alone that's interesting. They have an LTE version as well. Um, and um, this is it's, it's notionally powered by WebOS as well, which is the old Palm um, operating system that powers LG's TVs and is rather good, actually. A bit um, ironic, isn't it? Being designed by Palm and worn on a wrist. Uh, but well, you've, you, you've, yes, you've tried, you've worn this quite extensively. Out to I have. Show, I, I, I consider myself to be somewhat of a connoisseur of LG's round watches because I think that the G Watch R is one of the finest watches that's been made of this you know smartphone era um mm. obviously there are better watches in the world um but at least they've sort of pretty much nailed what makes a, a bearable timepiece and sort of focused on that um lg's real skill i think i have to say is um amoled displays because that's where they seem to be really cutting ahead of everyone else no one can get, really get amoled quite right i mean phone screens are different uh watch screens obviously all that kind of stuff but i've got i've got one of their tvs here at the moment it's breathtaking um but in terms of phones the lte version is powered by webos um, which means it's not uh, android wear it means it's uh, you have to have a separate app to run it but it has its own phone number you can make calls from it you can text from it it has a tiny little keyboard it's kind of ridiculous but it, it's sort of serviceable uh, the idea of this is it, it was really built i think by lg for a specific operator in korea which means it's highly unlikely i'd say it will make it outside of korea um it may arrive uh, in the uk and i may be very surprised but i do not know if we have the appetite to pay a subscription fee to own a watch um and it also has basically no app ecosystem because it's it's all got to be done by lg they're not looking for external developers or anything so the apps you get on it are they're relevant to some people and not relevant to others they have a golf app for example to talk you through your golf 
something or other. I don't know. Um, and a hiking I don't understand. App. I don't understand this. So this is a, a watch with 4G that has a SIM card in it that has a, yeah. an on-screen keyboard. You don't mm. need to use it with a phone. No, but you can, but you don't need to. I, wow. Oh, constant heart rate monitoring as well, which is interesting. You'd need it to, to work out why you're so stressed with this new device. Well, why? I don't understand this. L, you know, LG did this. I don't know if you remember this. About 2007, 2008, I think we were at CNET, actually, at the oh, time yes, it came it out. Was, and uh, the first they released was, yeah. the, an LG watch on Orange in the UK, and I think it cost £1,000, and it had a contract. <laughs> and you can imagine how well that did, given how many of them are still being used now and how many competitors they inspired. Um, it does seem to me like they must have thought the time's right for this again, because I doubt for something like a smartwatch, they would have forgotten the bad thing that they did several years previously. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to someone um, and they said to me, it's it's really basically, they've built this specifically for somebody, haven't they? It's not actually a product that's ever really designed to be mass market. It's... Um, an operator has seen a, a niche and wants to exploit it for some reason and they've mm. gone to LG and LG has done it but I don't think it will have a massive appeal to anyone else because it's going to be probably quite expensive as well I mean I don't mm. think we have pricing yet but let's be honest the Urbane is £300 on its own um, yeah. w w the LTE is going to add a significant amount of money to that well, I think, if anything, that that's, that's fair enough. I mean, if they're not aiming it to be pushing it out there as the next big thing, then it's unfair of us to say, oh, this is a stupid idea, it's terrible. Um, because, you know, there are lots of things that exist in the world that are for a very specific <laughs> niche market. Um, and it's not a bad thing they don't sell in the multiples of millions because they're designed for a small audience. And that's, that's fair enough. But certainly, um, I would be surprised, as you say, if this came out here but um good news that the lg urbane is doing well maybe a lg is one to watch for all future non-apple and non-samsung uh, smart well, watches let's, there's an interesting let's... tidbit because samsung's not announced any smart watches at mobile world congress although i thought it would um and unless it does it uh EFA, i think that they're having a very real think about smart watches and their place in society well um that's interesting. Well, we're going to come to Aoife actually at the end of this segment. I wanted to um, ask about a low light. And when I asked you earlier to pick a low light, a product that you saw <laughs> out at Barcelona, um, you came back with one that actually surprised me, although I can understand your reasoning potentially, the HTC One M9. <laughs> the M9. M9, M9. Yeah. M9. Spectacularly underwhelming. Um, I I mean, I've I've been a bit of a critic of uh, HTC uh, because I think that they spectacularly go off piste in ways that I really don't understand. Um, they did the HTC Re last year, which was a, a what was described by one reviewer, not me. I hasten to add, uh, they won't send me one for review, silly bears, um, as a, basically a smartphone camera built into a weird case, um, and the the quality of it was, by all accounts, pretty horrible. Um, they also released that. I can, I, can, I can confirm that because I went to the launch and I tested it and it was awful. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that seems to have been the feedback I've had from it. it, it it's awful. Um, I, I, can, I get the, the idea of it. I think it's maybe the sort of thing you'd expect to come out of Sony because Sony has an imaging company and it's a very good imaging company. It makes very good sensors. Um, and they have the expertise to leverage them as well in terms of software. That would have, that product would have made sense from Sony, 
HTC mm. is a phone company. It only really makes phones. Um, and then it comes out with a re. And, of course, it's cack. Um, and then, of course, now they've come out with the the VR. But we'll come well, to actually, that. Before, before, but we, yes, we, I can say we'll, we'll come to that. Let me explain but... why the M9 is so spectacularly uninspiring. It's not that it's necessarily bad. It is the same case as the M8. It's the same screen, pretty much. In fact, I think it's exactly the same screen. It has not rated processor. It's now using the Snapdragon 810, which is great. Very good processor. Very, very quick. Um, and I think they may have tweaked a few other bits and pieces as well. Uh, ultimately, the, when, when you read a press release from a company and they, they go through the highlights of uh, what, what is, what is spe- special about this phone, and a lot of those are things like slightly better camera software, slightly better way of finding contacts and stuff like that. When that's all they can really do, it's just that I'm not interested. And of course, it was a parade for their new version of Sense, which is their UI overlay. And I don't care. I do everything I can to get away from Sense when I use an HTC phone because I just think it's diabolical. Does it still have the two cameras on the back? No, they've got rid of that. In in what is perhaps the biggest admission of not knowing what the hell they're doing in the history of mankind... Uh, yeah, they've taken off the two cameras from the back, uh, and uh, now it only has one, and it's a 13 mm. megapixel camera, I believe. No, that's not true. I think it's a 20 megapixel. I am not surprised that the the two camera thing disappeared because it was not a good feature. It no. worked. It didn't work. It didn't work. At best, it could create a analog version of what you can create digitally in Instagram. Mm. Um. It was about as impressive, and but also it's not worth the hype. What you have to remember is that as soon as they did that, Google then announced that camera app, which enabled you to do pretty much the same thing by just slightly moving the camera. So, and that was possible. And what HTC, I believe, said this year, um, I was speaking to all people, all sorts of people at the Mobile World Congress, and I believe that their thing was, like, oh yeah, you can do all of that in software. And I'm like, yeah, but you could do it all in software last year, and you still minced around with this silly, ridiculous camera you know double camera thing that really took them nowhere so they've backtracked mm. on that they've got rid of it they've there's a new version of the software the phone is largely the same with a slight upgrade blah 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 blah. who's well gonna, i just apparently it sells okay that phone so yeah it, I, and it got good reviews when it last came out and and I, I suppose possibly what's at play here is and if it ain't broken don't fix it well you know what look here's the, to thing. That effect. the htc one is a phone that i'd happily recommend to other people but i would never choose to own one myself um, i think that's an interesting angle to come at i can see why people mm. like them it's just not for me well possibly for you then is um the surprises that we've got we've got two surprises down here that we've listed to talk about one of the which i blew was... a minute ago <laughs> yes you did so let's come to that first the valve virtual reality headset yes uh, this is a surprise more so because htc is making it than the valve is behind it yeah i don't understand this um to to, to explain why i don't understand it Do I... you want to explain what it is first well it's a vr headset which is pretty much the same as oculus rift um, as, right. as, as far as I can tell, it's a, a, a sort of parallel system that does largely the same thing um, and will compete with Oculus when it launches. Now, Samsung did the Gear VR, which features Oculus technology, uh, has its own sensors built in as well to speed things up so you're not using phone sensors. But it used your note screen and there's a version coming for the S6 as well. And the advantage of that, of course, is that you've already got the note, so it's cheap. It's, it's not cheap because by the time you've done it, you've spent a grand. But um, 
we don't know how much Oculus is going to cost. Um, so, but Oculus is very, very good, but very tethered to a PC. So it doesn't suit every audience. That's where the Samsung thing was kind of clever because it gives mobile gaming VR. And I played some games that I really enjoyed. It, it was surprisingly engrossing, actually. Um, and so that, I could see the point in that, of that in the market. I know it's never going to sell huge numbers, but I think it was interesting. I think it was a good attempt at something. And I think Samsung's rumoured to be putting some more weight behind it this year. Mm. Oculus, we all know it's going to be huge. Uh, well, it's, Maybe not huge, but it's, got, it's an, an enormously important market. Well, it's got Facebook behind it. So, it does have Facebook And they've put $3 billion into into acquiring that company before yeah. it's even released a product. Yeah, but let's so, be honest. They spent more on WhatsApp. They spent $22 billion on WhatsApp, didn't they? So really, Oculus was chump change. True. Um, so now, they've got, now Valve is involved with this HTC thing. Now, I don't firstly understand why HTC is building it, but actually... HTC has great industrial design. It's one of their strengths. They're able to put together things that really are very nicely made. Um, they sometimes have problems with software and stuff like that, but it, but there's nothing majorly wrong with how they do things. I can, so I can see the logic of that. But what I don't understand is why it isn't, it's not about mobiles. It's about it's another thing that you plug into a computer or you know, maybe other things. Probably it's going to be about steam machines, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that's something that Valve is putting a lot of time and effort into. Is but even the Steam machines, I mean, what is taking so long? It, it's, it's something that was announced, what, two years ago at CES. And yeah, but they're the incumbent and they're competing against Sony, PlayStation, Xbox and Windows. Yeah, but, that, you but know, they're not competing against Windows really, because let's be honest, there still aren't that many Linux games for... Um, you know, for, I mean, I, I'm sure that's a lot of what's going on. There's probably a lot of work being done in the background to make sure there is a catalogue. But Steam machines, would, they should have really just spoken to Microsoft about, you know, a cheap version of Windows 8 or something. I, I, there's lots of different ways. But anyway, off topic massively. But anyway, um, so Valve VR, I don't know. I love Valve. We all do, don't we, right? PC gamers just adore that company. It's impossible not to like it. Yeah, I, I completely. You agree. know, and it's and just great. Everything they do is pretty much great, and the, you know, it's it, it's the the one piece of software that you game with that doesn't annoy the living daylights out of you. Well, we are I'm looking going... at you. You play. Sorry. <laughs> well, we're going to um, do a hopefully do a VR special at some point um, in the future, and uh, maybe next month about the the state of the VR market. Um, something Ian suggested before we started recording, which I think would make a a great idea. So we will have to return to that. Um, before we get to the end of the show, there's just a couple of other things we wanted to mention. Um, there was a big surprise in that BlackBerry was at Mobile World Congress and revealed a... a, a well, I like CNET's, just... CNET's approach, um, written by our friend and, in fact, ex-colleague Rich Trenholm, who wrote that um, mysterious BlackBerry slider combines the old and new of smartphone design. And I couldn't put it any better myself. It is a BlackBerry phone with a BlackBerry keyboard, but with a giant, like, five-inch touchscreen phone on top of it and the keyboard slides out from behind and when the keyboard has been slid out the device looks about the size of something you could beat a whale to death with it well, looks very go. very large you wanted lsd inspired design there you have it <laughs> i just don't i don't get that company i mean i really don't yeah it's a really bizarre one and they've 
you know, they were showing off a different phone at the time, um, the Leap, and this phone was revealed something as a tease. And I kind of think that the reason they've done this is actually to gauge public reaction. Like, I think that they, this was their way of not just coming out with a product that absolutely nobody wants and actually thought, you know what, we'll have all eyes on us at the moment because everyone knows that we're kind of struggling they are very much the underdog at the moment let's just put this mad thing on stage and say here's a thing that we're working on and just wait and see what the feedback is see if people like the idea of it see if 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 it's got enough to keep the blackberry faithful faithful um or if those people are ready to jump ship and said we've had enough we're moving to samsung yeah i mean samsung's done some really good stuff with security actually it's um... they've done good things with security they're Knox. Uh, platform is um from what i understand from security experts pretty well regarded it's, it's very good, good enough for the for the government um and samsung makes some extremely good and extremely successful phones um so they've got a very strong competitive pull for people who are still using blackberry all all three or four of them um <laughs> so we'll have to i hate to say we'll have to keep our eye on this because it's the crappiest thing to ever say but um there's not much else we can say at the moment but i do think that this was something of a um a tease to uh, to encourage some feedback um ian last thing before we end the show efa is a few months away mm. and there was there were one th- there was one thing that didn't come out at mobile world congress that you thought may have been shown do you want to well, Go I think I, I mean it, the the traditional pattern is that Samsung do- keeps the note for Efa as a rule. Um, so uh, we'll see. Um, I, it's it's difficult to tell. Efa is a very strange show. There's usually something. Uh, Sony will announce. I think it's Z4 for Efa. Um, mm. So I think you know it'll be Note Four. Uh, yeah, Z4. Then obviously Apple comes around a little bit after that, doesn't it? I mean, literally the week after, and then announces, yeah. um, you know, a, a, a new iPhone. I mean, I, they're going to be one to. It's going to be fascinating to see what Apple does this year. Um, well, yeah. no, it, it will and it won't. I actually think that this year everything is about the watch. I think this is going to be. If you remove the watch out of Apple's launch cycle, this is going to be a very uh, sort of ben- not benign year, Humdrum. but kind of. Yeah, just a very uh, traditional, just um, iterative year for Apple. I think I think that had the watch not been on the cards, I could see the iPhone 6 design being taken to the iPad because the iPad mini has never had a redesign. It's always been that design, whether it's got retina display, whether it's got... Um, whether it got slightly fatter or thinner, it's never changed its form factor, unlike the iPad Air. Um and I could see Apple unifying its design to be um, to be consistent across iPad and iPhone. But I honestly don't even know if I would expect that this year, because from what I understand, everybody at Apple right now is basically working on the watch Interesting. and on something to do with the watch. And if you're not working on something to do with the watch, then you're probably sitting around canteens um, twiddling your thumbs, because all <laughs> Apple cares about at the moment is the Apple Watch. That's interesting. From- from what I've heard. So I don't think that there's going to be a great deal of um, exciting releases apart from that. I think we will see a few updates at um, WWDC, but that's going to be about iOS 9. And again, from what we know about that, it's going to be more about refining what's there, not introducing new stuff. And then further down the line, it's going to be about um, uh, revisions to existing products and not whole new ones. With a possible exception. Even Apple TV, I don't. I wouldn't expect to see anything exciting there. 
I really would. Come nothing. On, they've nothing, got to do something with that product, mate. Nothing. Nothing <laughs> great. It does what it does. And I just don't expect to see anything big there. A change, maybe a UI overhaul, um, you know, possibly integration with existing products. But in terms of a complete redesign or rethink, I just don't think they are currently even paying that any great attention. Here's it's, a question for you. HomeKit. Now, that's yeah. a product that's gone very, very quiet. Well, that's because HomeKit's not so much a product as it well, is a... It's, it's more like Wi-Fi or, yeah. um, you know... But also, you need a you need. It's one of Apple's chipped things, isn't it? You need an Apple chip for it to work, and that's going to mean that no one's. Everyone sort of would hope, I think, that you would have a smart light bulb and it would work with HomeKit. That that would yeah. be what would make HomeKit great. But that's not what they've done. We'll do another it's special difficult. on home automation if you want. Yeah, we probably should do. I mean, the Apple certification process is pretty laborious and extremely expensive because. Um, if you want to, sort of tangential background here, but if if you want to be um, made for iPod or you know whatever mm. it is made for iPad, you have to send products to Hong Kong, which is where they do the certification process, and then and you also have to provide Apple with um, a number of them in store, so they've always got an amount of stock, um, all of which Apple can return to you um, <sighs> without you making any money and if um if they use a demo if they demo it or have a return in the store you don't get the money back for that wow you'll have to repackage it and send it back for sale again that's crazy it's a very expensive process to get into the apple store because like apple does it controls everything and it generally benefits the the customer not the manufacturer um unless you're talking about profits in which case other way around anyway we've gone on for quite a long time um do check out the apple watch special that's going to be going up tomorrow evening monday that'll be um it won't be a numbered episode it'll be a text message special i haven't decided exactly how we're going to format that but do look out for that ian and i will be back almost certainly next weekend until then my friend it has been nothing less than a pleasure agreed au revoir